We are glad to make all of our Jcast Network podcasts free for our listeners. However, they are not free to produce and host. Please consider making a donation to Jcast Network to help support our work by visiting jcastnetwork.org slash donate. Thanks for your support. You are listening to Stender, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about other Jcast Network podcasts, please visit jcastnetwork.org. To share your thoughts about this podcast or others, please visit facebook.com slash jcastnetwork. It is a challenging time in our world and in our country, uh, and in no place is that challenge uh, more acutely felt, perhaps, than in religious institutions, uh, which uh, in this era uh, have struggled to uh, remain relevant and meaningful to current and rising generations. This is something that we talk about and think about a lot here at uh, Temple Beth El, and it's something that Cantor and I uh, work on. We consider ourselves on the front lines of combating this challenge. Uh, and I am honored to have uh, dear friends and colleagues and partners uh, in that struggle, not only within the Jewish community, but across the faith spectrum. I said struggle, I don't mean struggle, I mean uh, challenge and opportunity. Uh, and uh, I'm blessed to have a, a friend and partner uh, in that work in uh, Reverend Holly Woodruff from 7th Street Christian Church, Disciples of Christ, just up the street on Grove Avenue. Uh, and uh, we uh, have spent some time talking about um, the shared challenges and opportunities that we face within our congregations and the wider world out there. And we thought it would be fun to uh, share some dispatches from the front lines uh, with each other's congregations. Uh, her to Temple Bethel, me uh, tomorrow to 7th Street Christian Church. So uh, without further ado, it is my honor and my joy to welcome my friend, Reverend Holly Woodruff, to share with us some words of Torah. Good morning. Thank you so much uh, for this invitation. I am absolutely thrilled to be with you all today. Um, I bring greetings from 7th Street Christian Church, Disciples of Christ, your neighbor down the street on Grove and Malvern. Not on 7th Street, actually, anymore. Uh, and you may be asking yourself, why a pulpit swap? Um, you know, Rabbi uh, Knopf shared a few moments ago uh, our conversations, but for the small denomination that is the Christian Church Disciples of Christ, our foundation is built on focusing on what we share, on listening to each other, on learning and dialoguing when there are differences, both in our own tradition as well as others. And a day when life, when work and technology and family and busyness, when we seem to be so preoccupied with ourselves and all of that takes all of our attention, something as simple as swapping pulpits moves our attention back to the larger community. 
widening the lens to see all of God's children. As faith leaders, the practice moves us to consider scripture and context and traditions outside of our own. In a time and place when we are building walls and constantly we hear us versus them language, the simple act of coming together to listen and to pray and to build friendships moves us to focus on our commonalities instead of our differences. So this is why the pulpit swap. So thank you, Rabbi Knopf. And thank you for Temple Bethel for letting us do this. I hope this is just the beginning of us being able to learn from one another. Are any of y'all familiar with the movie Papillion? Anyone? The old one? Yeah? Okay. So I'm not referring to the most recent one that apparently they made in 2017. I'm referring to its predecessor, the 1973 version featuring Steve McQueen and Dustin Hoffman. Okay, my boyfriend and I were watching it just a couple weeks ago. It's based off the semi-biographical novel by the same name of a man who is wrongly convicted of murder and sentenced to life imprisonment in the French Guiana. This movie tracks several escape attempts, each time getting closer and closer to freedom. But ultimately, something always goes wrong. It's actually 150 minutes of pure agony, of Steve McQueen's character moving from dark, dank conditions to the possibility of freedom, then back to brutal hard work, to near starvation, to then near hope, only back to years of solitary confinement, to, to then be sure of what is liberation, only to be dashed by none other a mother superior who calls the authorities, sending him back yet again to prison. To be honest, after about 100 minutes of watching this, I googled the movie to read the rest of the plot, only to realize that the same thing was going to continue to happen. And I couldn't stand watching this man suffering anymore, and so I gave up and I let my boyfriend um, fold the rest of his laundry in movie bliss. <laughs> this, this is the movie that flashed through my mind when I began reading and reflecting on this story of Joseph. A story about a man who has it all. He has his technicolor dream coat, He's the favorite son of his dad. Even the Lord is with him. Only to be sold into slavery by his brothers. Only to rise again within the prominent position of Pharaoh's court. Only to be wrongly convicted by Potiphar's wife. Thrown into prison where he gains a prominent position, as prominent as one can have, I perhaps, in prison. But things go from bad to worse, and he is forgotten.
Our story demonstrates the brutal realism that life doesn't move in a straight line. That it often feels and is a roller coaster. It is filled with peaks and with valleys. I am sure some of us at some point in time can relate to Joseph. And even though Joseph is gifted and capable and always seems to land on his feet, it is also always followed by some other tumble. How is it that the Lord is with him and yet something is always going wrong? How can these two things be true? How can God be with us and yet our car breaks down? How can God be with us and yet we lose our job? How can God be with us and yet our marriage is falling apart? How can God be with us and yet we fall ill? How can God be with us and yet we are at odds with our neighbor? How can God be with us and yet children are dying in school shootings? How can God be with us and yet children are separated from their parents? How can God be with us and yet people are being shot while seeking asylum? How can God be with us and yet our faith communities are shrinking? How can God be with us and yet? This is the paradox. We should take a moment to acknowledge this paradox, to sit with this, God is with us, and yet. We should allow ourselves to dwell in Joseph's suffering. I know we want to get Joseph out of prison and back into Pharaoh's mansion. But this week, let us dwell with him in his slavery and be with him in solidarity as he suffers. I know we don't like to dwell in that which makes us uncomfortable. We live in an era where, due to busyness or technology, we can quickly move ourselves to another realm of comfort. Oftentimes, we, when we find, our, find ourselves in this place of suffering, we want to move through it as fast as we can. And we don't want to feel it, and we don't want to work on it. And so perhaps we prescribe it away, or drink it away, or eat it away, or sleep it away. Or maybe we see others in a place of suffering, the homeless on the street or children dying in Yemen from malnutrition, and we detach from it. We change the channel or we turn off the television or we turn our heads, ignoring it altogether. But maybe we're in it and we can't do much about the suffering. 
We are like Joseph, wrongly convicted and sitting in our own prison. We are the ones in the migrant caravan, running from violence and seeking safety in a new land. We are the ones living in tent cities with nowhere to go because our house is burned down by a fire. We are suffering, and we are waiting to be remembered. God was with Joseph. And God is with us. God is present and actively working. It's critical to acknowledge what I call a theological roadblock. Because in times of suffering and strife, we often hear strange theological claims. And particularly in the Christian tradition. I don't know if it happens in the Jewish tradition. But, but we, we say things like, God never gives us more than we can handle. Or God's time is always the best time. And maybe, or maybe not, but that never seems to be the case for those in the midst of suffering. For many in this synagogue, our community, our state, our country and world, people are in the midst of real suffering. And we shouldn't try to cover it with turned heads or trite theological platitudes, but instead see it, acknowledge it, and be an active conduit of God's love and shalom. What we can take from this story is that there is real injustice in this world. And perhaps none of it should have happened. It's a deeply practical question that the text doesn't try to explain. But what we do know and are reminded of is that God was with Joseph. And now that it has all happened, what's next? Where can God take Joseph? How can God bear him forward in a new moment? And if we look at our larger faith story, it appears that is the beautiful mystery of God. That God creates and blesses and is with us and also lets go to let the blessing do what it will. God creates the earth and allows the earth to bring forth what it will, to provide shelter and sustenance. God blesses Abraham and Sarah in order for their blessed to be a blessing. And in the most unlikely of circumstances, a family is created, and then a nation. And God is with Joseph, who, let's face it, starts as an arrogant brat, but who matures to become a disciplined and highly moral person, who uses his gifts of administration, who is a dreamer and an interpreter of dreams, helping others succeed. Tomorrow, 
both of our traditions will enter a season that celebrates light. Tomorrow marks the beginning of Advent for Christians and Hanukkah for you. Both of our traditions celebrate the miracle of light. Light emerging from a dark time when God's people weren't allowed to worship. And a light, a celebration of light emerging into a world that experiences darkness. Both of our stories declare God was there. And each time we light a candle and remember, we profess God is here with us. The symbolism of light triumphing over darkness is ancient and filled with deep meaning for Jews and Christians. We are called and challenged by our respective sacred scripture to be a light to the nations and the world and in the midst of a dark world that is haunted by violence and racism and broken homes and war and famine. Only the light of the world can overcome the dark. How are we spiritual revolutionaries? How can our faith be relevant in the 21st century? I think it is as simple as our willingness. Our willingness to be authentic in our faith and to ourselves. I think it's the willingness to be present to our suffering, both mine and yours. I think it's the willingness to ask the hard questions and be okay with not getting all the answers. We will always be surrounded by unfaithfulness and injustice. And God is still with us. Can we like Joseph, be willing to navigate the powerful that try to oppress? Can we be willing to adapt to a new terrain within an always changing system? God blesses and creates and then lets the blessing go forth, leaving us to ask the questions, where will God take us? How will God bear us forward in a new moment? The first part of that question has already been determined. The other half is up to us.